Good morning on this Saturday morning and welcome to our devotional Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. You've been with us, we left off yesterday, talking about the book of Acts and the book of Galatians. We had been mentioning the word uh, bewitched and seduced or seducers and we discovered that basically it is involving witchcraft or sorcery. what some people would call magic, white magic, black magic. But in our understanding of it, it was that basically witchcraft is the involvement of manipulating people with words, with things, with thoughts, with whatever methods to intimidate them so that they can fear, be afraid, so that you can dominate them, so that you can control them. And this happens in so many different ways. Outside of little potions and little uh, curses and uh, little hexes or whatever you want to call them. Because it's so subtle. So subtle. A little child throwing a tantrum in a store lying on the floor, kicking and yelling at his, at his, at the top of his lungs, embarrassing a parent to the point that they give in to buy them the little candy or the little toy or the little thing or the bag of chips or whatever it is that they wanted for fear of being embarrassed by the other people. Of course, there are parents that won't take it. They'll take that child and they may take it outside and give it a couple little swats or uh, some type of a correction or something or other. But they're not going to put up with that behavior or that manipulation because that's exactly what it was. Manipulate the parents. They figure out that if I can make them afraid enough through manipulating them through whatever I do, then they will do what I want them to do. So that's what we are looking at. We're not looking at little potions here. We're not looking at little... uh, uh, spells or sayings, even all of that may be involved at those that practice it at a wire, at a higher level. But we're talking about the subtlety of this thing. So now as we look at the book of First Timothy in chapter 4, in verse number 1, it says, Now the Spirit, talking about the Spirit of God, speaketh expressedly that in the latter time, so we're talking about when this was written in the time of Paul, He was looking at the future. He was looking at the latter days when the age was going to be coming to a close. It says, some shall depart from the faith. And the word there that basically is used is to remove, to draw away from or to fall away from. Or withdraw oneself from. So it says, In the last, latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. And once again, basically, they, these spirits are imposters, they're misleaders, they're deceivers, seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. Two things. Doctrines of devils, think about it. The doctrines of God, the doctrines of the Holy Spirit, the doctrines of the church versus seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils. 
So there is a possibility that both, not only the unbeliever, but the believer also can be brought under this. If he or she is not walking in the light of the Word of God and in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then that individual can easily be seduced or deceived and manipulated by these spirits into going off on a tangent. And then on the further side of it is wind up being totally an outcast because they have gotten their eyes off of Christ. They've gotten their eyes off of the cross. And like Paul said in Galatians, basically they've been bewitched to the degree that they actually believe, according to Galatians 3.1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So, all of a sudden, we lose sight of the cross. And it could mean that an individual goes back to uh, doing works for his salvation. He loses faith in God and begins to trust in his own ability or works. Or it could be any variety of things. But once our eyes off are, are off of Christ and off of the work of Calvary, off the work that he did on that cross, a supernatural work to redeem humanity that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord could and would be saved. All of a sudden, their eyes are turned away from and all you need is one simple little seduction of the enemy. There's not just one way to God. There's many ways. Why would God just make one way? Why, 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 aren't, there, why aren't the other religions of the world also another way to get to God? See, all it takes is just one lie. One deceiving spirit. One seduction. One false doctrine. And Paul mentions it. In the book of uh, Ephesians in chapter 4. To bring across the thought and the idea. That the Christian believer must be aware. Constantly of his spiritual condition. Because he or she can wind up being easily swayed. By whatever comes uh, to that individual's life. It says... In Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of the faith. But he began with verse number 11, that God gave prophets, he gave apostles, he gave evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. It was not supposed to be the pastor, apostle, evangelist, teacher, that was supposed to do all the work, they are given to perfect the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry, to edify the body, so that we can all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. See, of the knowledge, not losing sight of the cross, not losing sight of what Jesus has done and what happened on that cross. Until we come unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. For this purpose, for this reason, getting back to those seducing spirits. In verse 14, 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Notice that they are playing with us. It's fraud what many individuals speak or say, whether Christian or non-Christian. It's cunning craftiness. It's kind of like what the devil did with uh, with Eve. It was trickery. It was subtlety. It was cunningness. All of these things whereby they lie in wait to deceive. To deceive what? Deceive the mind. Deceive the heart. Trickery. To get them to believe a lie. So it's important to understand that what Christ has done for us at the cross, we must never lose sight of. So that doctrines of devils and seducing spirits don't have the opportunity to overtake our understanding of what was given to us, what was released by God when he raised his son from the dead and set him at his own right hand. He's given us his name so that basically we understand that whatever name is over us, that means there is ownership. Somebody owns us. We are not our own. We belong to him. We have been purchased. We have been bought, not with silver, not with gold, but with his precious blood. Our lives and our bodies are not ours to do as we please. They are his. As we understand this, then we can go to another section that we'll be looking at on Sunday. And that is what Jesus told Peter concerning the keys of the kingdom. This is important for us to grasp. The keys of the kingdom were based upon the revelation that Peter received supernaturally of the Heavenly Father concerning Jesus Christ as the Son of the Living God. If we were to expound on that, we could simply say Jesus, the Savior, the one that brings salvation, being the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Son of the Living God. When you think about it that way, that is an awesome way to consider the name of Jesus. Well, anyway, Peter receives this revelation. Almost as soon as he receives the revelation, he also receives an attack of Satan. And basically, Satan not only wanted to sift him, but Satan wanted to use Peter to try to get Jesus not to go to the cross. There's no necessity. There's no reason for you to die. There's no, 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 no. But Jesus rebuked him and said, you know, get behind me, Satan. You don't desire the things of God. You desire the things of men. So as soon as the revelation came, he was assaulted. Now, on Sunday, we'll be bringing this thought up. And I'm just going to read you the verse. And then we'll go right into it on Sunday morning's devotional. On 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 Paul said this, and if anybody ever received revelation, it was Paul. And the entire gospel was revealed to him in the book of Galatians in chapter 1. 
he goes to mention that how he had spent he had spent some time seeking and searching the Lord and how he received the gospel not of men but was taught of it personally by Christ in Galatians 1:11 it says but I certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice that. Paul says, I received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, the book of Revelation, John expounds on the revelation of Jesus Christ, the entire chapter, I mean the entire book of everything that's going to take place. But getting back to Paul, he received that and immediately following the revelation, Paul began to be assaulted. Everywhere he went, the Jews and the Gentiles and everybody turned against him. They tried to kill him, they tried to drown him, they did everything possible. So this is what he writes. And he says concerning himself in 2 Corinthians twelve seven, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Not one revelation, but the revelations. He had many revelations. And he shows us even in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Colossians, he unveils many of the mysteries. And one of the mysteries that he unveils in the book of First uh, Thessalonians is that of the rapture of the church. But let's get back to the verse. It says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan. The word there, messenger, is the word angel. A fallen angel of Satan. To buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Ah, consider that. Even Jesus, as soon as the Father pronounced, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, after John uh, had baptized him, all of a sudden, he's drawn into conflict immediately into the wilderness to confront the devil for 40 days. Well, consider this food for thought as we on Sunday look into this theme a little bit further. Until then, the Lord richly bless you. Amen.